The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then will you stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, we ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a story of a couple that, after a long and faithful marriage, they suffer the death of the spouse. So let's say her name is Susan. So Susan dies, goes to heaven. And as she's approaching heaven, she sees the gates and the portal, the gate of heaven, and Peter waiting for her. And Peter says, welcome, Susan. It's so good to have you here with us. And um, before you go in, there's one question you need to answer to go through the gates. So Susan says, okay, like, I was not expecting this, but what is the question? Well, St. Peter says, you need to spell the word love. And Susan says, oh, that's kind of easy. L-O-V-E. And Peter says, welcome, good and faithful servant. Come, enjoy the joy of your master. So as she is going through the gate, Peter says, can I ask you a favor? I need to go and do something there. And could you stay here? And the next person you come, you just do the same. So Susan is surprised, but she accepts. She cannot deny a request from St. Peter. So to her surprise, the next person that comes is her husband. So she sees John, let's say John, coming to the gates. And John says, Susan, what are you doing here? And she says, what are you doing here? And he says, oh, I love you so much. I couldn't live without you. And that's why I'm here today. So Susan says, okay, John, so good you are here, but you need to answer a question. You need to spell a word to go through the gates. So John says, oh, Susan, you know me. I'm so bad at spelling words. I never win any spelling bee tournament. I, I think I'm going to fail. But Susan says, no, don't worry. It's going to be very easy. 
No, but you know, I could never spell any word. Susan says, I assure you, this is a very easy word you need to spell. So John gives up and says, okay, what is the word that I need to spell? So Susan says, could you please spell the word Czechoslovakia? <laughs> and you know the rest of the story. By the way, Czechoslovakia is one of the most difficult words to spell in English. You might think you know, but it's not correct. <laughs> and some of you might be thinking words for your spouse to spell, but <laughs> this illustrates a deep thing that is going on in the gospel. Is it gonna be easy or is it gonna be difficult? What is the word Jesus is gonna ask you to go and pass through the portals and the gates of heaven? That's what people ask Jesus. How many will be saved? How many will be saved? Of all those who are here, how many will be saved? Of all that live in this country, how many will be saved? Of all that live in this universe now, how many will be saved? It's a very important question. And the answer of Jesus is not a number. He did not say like, the right side, 50% of St. Michael will be saved, 50% will not. He did not give a number. So to that question, Jesus redirects the attention to an attitude. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. So that question, how many will be saved, says Jesus, is not your business. Your business, your task, is to strive, to work hardly. The word strive means agonize ongoing effort to enter through the narrow gate. So to this question, is it gonna be easy or is it gonna be difficult? You can answer in two main ways. Some people hold what we could call a universalism. It focuses more in the salvific will of God because God has a salvific desire that all will be saved. God wants every one of us to go through the gates of heaven. But we need to respond. So if you focus too much in God's will and in his desire for us to be saved, and we forsake the human freedom, you can end in an universalistic way or mentality that goes this way. God is good. He's kind of a grandpa. He forgives all your sins. I have a ticket to heaven, everyone will make it. And I would say, I don't know if I can give a number, but great percentage of Catholics and even Christians, they live and they act with a universalistic mindset. Everyone will make it. Especially if you are born after Vatican II like me, this is very prevalent. The other extreme is what we could call minimalism excessive fear to face God. And it's kind of fearing to face God. If I die today and I need to be standing before the Holy One of God, it's kind of scary. And if you think of the gospel today, people will knock the door, it will be locked, and they will say, Jesus, open to us. We ate with you. We went to St. Michael's. I did my prayers every day. I heard Catholic radio all the way when I was stuck in traffic. And Jesus says, depart from me, evildoers. 
these people that seem to be close to him, Jesus closes the door. So that would be the other extreme, like a minimalism, only a few will be saved. In Matthew 7, Jesus says something similar to the Gospel of Luke today. How narrow the gate and constricted the road that leads to life. Those who find it are few. It's a challenging gospel. How narrow the gate and constricted the path that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So how to navigate this question or how to avoid these two extremes of excessive fear or excessive hope? I think we need to hold two premises at the same time. And the first, first premise is that God demands the standard of holiness to enter heaven. And the second one is that God is committed to help us. And he wants our response, obviously. So the first premise is that the main standard is not <laughs> spreading love or Czechoslovakia. The main standard to enter heaven is holiness. Revelation 21, nothing unholy can enter the presence of God. No anger, no impurity, no selfishness, no materialism can enter the presence of God. Think that you are, your family always enjoys dinner and they have dinner together and it's very peaceful and you come back from work and you're very angry. I don't know, like someone cut you off in traffic and you're ah, like... If you enter that place of peace, you will spoil that harmony, that peacefulness. And something like that is heaven. Nothing unholy can enter the presence of God. So the standard, the first premise for entrance is that inner holiness. And that's what Jesus says with the gate. The gate is narrow both the path that leads to the gate and then the gate is narrow. What does it mean that the gate is narrow? Strive to enter through the narrow gate. What is the narrow gate? Or who is the narrow gate? And the answer is Jesus. If you think of John 10 verse 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Pretty clear. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So Jesus says the standard is not love or Czechoslovakia, although it's love because he is the standard. But the standard for heaven, the standard of holiness that the Father requires, the gate through which we have to go is Jesus, is conformity to him. That's the main goal. He predestined us says Paul in the letter to Romans, to be conformed to the image of his son. Until we don't have a perfect conformity of mind, of will, of desires, of wills, of intentions, we fall short of the glory of God. This is pretty demanding. This is pretty demanding. And that's why if I die today, I feel like whew, I have so many sinful inclinations. So many selfish desires. 
I don't think I'm ready. And that's why, if you want this promise correct or edit universalism, but this promise has to be held with the other one, that God is deeply committed to transform us. I cannot do it. I cannot become like Jesus. But he wants and he will and he's committed to do it. Since the day of your baptism, the Father is working in your soul. You're a masterpiece. He's an artist. He's chiseling away all your imperfections if you allow him. He's doing all what he can to conform you to the image of his son. It's an amazing commitment of the grace of God. Louis says, love in its own nature demands the perfecting of the beloved. No one loves you like the Father. And his love is demanding. And he is perfecting you if you allow him to become an image of his son. That's what it's all about. Trusting also in that grace. And that's what Paul says in the second reading today. Look, because many times you don't choose the right things, because many times you choose toxic relationships, because many times you choose projects that no, don't set you free, God will send discipline to you. God will give you trials. But don't discourage. God is loving you through those trials. My son, my daughter, do not disdain the discipline of the Lord. Or lose heart, don't despair when reproved by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. In this life, God is transforming you. But because sometimes we are weak, sinful, confused, without, we choose wrong things. Many times he destroys your projects. He takes people away from you. He closes doors. So you go back to the narrow gate. He's committed to transform you. And the most powerful thing, that not only in this life, but when you encounter him, if you are open to his grace, that's always essential, he will continue that purification. Pope Benedict says, before his gaze, the gaze of Jesus, all falsehood melts away. When you are before the king of kings, all the masks, all your lies will fall away, melt away. This encounter with him, as it burns, transforms, and frees us, allowing us to become truly ourselves. All that we build during our lives can prove to be mere straw, pure bluster, and it collapses. Yet, in the pain of this encounter, when the impurity and sickness of our lives becomes evident to us, there lies salvation. Not only in this life, God is committed to transform you into the image of his son, but also in the life to come, he will continue whatever is remaining of purification. So two things to take from this gospel today. First, if you could buy in Amazon, like, something called God's chisel. It will be very expensive. What will you ask God to chisel away today from your heart? What is truly impeding you in your life? 
to reflect the image of his son. And second, is God purifying you in any way? Is God closing any door in your life? And what is the window he's trying to show you? In Spanish we say, Dios cierra puertas, pero abre ventanas. God closes doors, but open windows. Always in the trial, says St. Paul, there is a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Always in the trials, God is trying to show you a new way. What are those ways? You are God's masterpiece. He wants to form the image of his son in you. He wants to transform you completely. Allow him to do it. Don't resist. Collaborate. And that's what we do at Mass. We come to receive his holiness, his body, his life in you.